Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that could be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I let it skin it simple man. That means only one thing on this radio program. All things self-proclaimed simple man. And that's all things Bill O'Reilly. All things O'Reilly at BillOReilly.com. Mr. O'Reilly, sir, how are you? Uh, a little frantic. You just got uh, back from getting ashes. And uh, the priest was a little windy. You know, I was giving the signal to wrap it in the back. You know, a pretty big crowd, though, to get the ashes today. Uh, all right. So I want to ask you something. I think you and I recognize that this world is full of evil. I don't think we disagree. Oh. Um, you're a historian. We could talk about Nazi Germany. We could talk about Mao and China. And we could talk about Stalin and Russia. And we could talk about the killing fields in Cambodia. Uh, we could talk about ISIS beheadings and, and radical Islamists like on 9-11. So evil does exist. You and I agree with that. Um, what Vladimir Putin is doing in Ukraine, targeting civilian targets and apartment complexes and homes and infrastructure, uh, to me is, is modern evil, uh, indiscriminate bombing of innocent men, women, and children. Here's, here's the question though, Bill, is we, the United States, have now, once again, as per usual, we are bearing the brunt of the financial burden over a hundred and what twenty billion dollars committed to Ukraine. Meanwhile, Europe, this is in their own backyard, only have put up thirty billion dollars. And what really bothers me is that Joe Biden personally has vetoed on a number of occasions uh Western European countries providing fighter jets to the Ukrainians, like the Pol, uh, like Poland wanted to provide 28 or 35 MiGs, 
and Biden said no. That tells me Biden's not committed to allowing Zelensky to win the war. And if he's not committed to winning the war, I don't think we should be assisting them. We're wasting our time and money otherwise. Am I wrong? I don't know if the word wrong applies here. I see it a little bit differently. So the European socialist governments don't have any money. Germany is an exception. They do, but it's Germany. And they're selfish, and they look inward, not outward, and they're not going to pony up uh, unless they absolutely have to. So once again, as you pointed out rightly, the United States is to carry the burden to fight totalitarian evil, as we have been doing now um, for almost 90 years in this world. And I don't believe it's ever going to change. So that's that. Now, on the fighter jets, I would not, if I were president of the United States, give the Ukrainians fighter jets for one very strong reason. Well, by the way, it wasn't the United States that was going to give it. No, it's Poland, but they do what we tell them to do. You know that. Um, so if the Ukrainian pilots decide to go and bomb inside Russia, cities inside Russia, that turns the tide of the Russian people against uh, United States, Ukraine, and supports Putin. Putin becomes stronger immediately because the Russian people now are, are seeing the Ukrainians kill them. And right now the Russian people are not you know, it's really dicey over there as far as popular opinion about this war is concerned. The second reason is it gives Putin a chance to expand the war himself. And he said, oh, now, look, at they're attacking the homeland, and this is just what Hitler did um, when he invaded Poland in 1938. Exactly the same scenario. Putin wants the United States and NATO to give the Ukrainians planes so the planes bomb Russian territory. He wants that. So I wouldn't give it to him. The bottom line then, Bill, is I don't believe that Zelensky, as 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 much valor as the people of Ukraine have shown, as much courage as they have shown, an ability to fight for their country that is inspiring, putting aside the fact that we know some of the monies were diverted and taken by by people with high positions in Zelensky's uh, uh, inner circle, putting that aside, uh, they have shown courage and and valor on the battlefield, and they did the impossible. They have now extended this conflict out for an entire year, uh, and yet they've been at a decided disadvantage when it comes to the weaponry of war because Putin does not have the same restrictions as Zelensky does. Well, the tanks that we are providing them, Germany and the United States, should really shore up their defense. I don't expect Russia to be able to take more than 25% of that country. He has 20 now. He might be able to carve out another 5%, but Russian casualties now are 1,000 a day. Um, and the, the army that he has in there now is untrained, and it's going to be a catastrophe. So. Yes, if I were the president and I saw Putin marching to Kiev, that would change the equation. Absolutely would change it. Um, but right now, the stalemate, and that's what it is, um, is working against Russia. And we need Putin out of there because he is an evil megalomaniac. But remember, 
on this on this. But, but to get there, don't you have to fight the war to win the war? You know, I got I got hit in a piece on Mediaite saying, well, Hannity, who supported the war in Afghanistan and the war in Iraq, <clears throat> which I did support. But it was a very different time, Bill, and we've learned a lot from those conflicts. We did not fight those wars to win the war. Now, Donald Trump showed us another way to fight a war, and that's when he defeated the caliphate. And it was unmerciful, never-ending, unceasing bombing of the caliphate, and he beat them back and defeated them. And I'm not willing to go through long, protracted wars and, and send kids door-to-door First of all, our military technology is way more sophisticated than when, after 9-11, we went into Iraq and Afghanistan. We have the ability to push buttons in any state and, with pinpoint accuracy, take out targets uh, all over the globe. That's how we should be fighting any war we are involved in, in my view. Yeah, but, you know, I wrote all about that in Killing the Killers and, and how unbelievable our weaponry is, but Putin's got the same kind of weaponry. So you, you, you don't want to get this madman, and I say that literally because there's no reason on earth for him to do this and, and, and uh, put the suffering and hundreds of thousands of deaths. I mean, he got to be a madman. Um, so I would I would basically tell the Ukrainians we're gonna we're gonna support you as best we can, and that's the key word as best we can. I mean we can't be throwing three four trillion dollars into that place. You just can't. You've got to come a point. But at the same time, the Ukrainians are going to have to you know fight on the ground for every inch of their soil, which I think they will. You know I think that will continue. And now we have Xi getting into it, the Chinese guy. We we don't want this to escalate to a world war where tens of millions of people die. It could get out of control very easily. So you've got to be methodical and disciplined and forward-looking. Now, do I have any confidence that the Biden administration is methodical and disciplined and forward-looking? No. And that disturbs me i mean they can't even handle the train wreck in ohio so so we're going to just continue to pour hundreds of billions of dollars and at best the the best we can hope for is a tie the best we can hope for is a a, a long protracted conflict that maybe one side eventually gives up and we keep providing the the munitions and the monies necessary does there is there ever a point where we say you're on your own i don't i don't see that point happening um i just uh, i don't see it i don't think trump would do that if he's reelected. i don't think trump would say you're on your own ukraine i don't believe he would um but you have to be disciplined in the way you help ukraine um once if putin were to succeed there that would be a catastrophe and i think lead to world war three but i don't think he's going to succeed i think there's something going to happen to putin so you, you're buying time. That's what you're doing now with our law. Well, my hope has been that they take him out sooner than later, and that means his inner circle. You bet. Um, and look, it's all about China now. If China helps Russia, oh, my God. If China starts to send weapons to Russia, uh, I don't even know. But I don't think China's going to do that because then we'd have to slap sanctions on China. And, and the whole world gets disrupted and the economy oh my god
Bill, the Chinese are showing nothing but hostility and aggression towards the United States. Yes, but they pull back at the last. No, they didn't. Where did they pull back, Bill? In Taiwan. I mean, the provocations in Taiwan over the last three months have been a lot less. And I'm hoping to get to the. Uh, they they just sent their navy last week through the Straits of of, of Taiwan. Well, I mean, they're sailing around, but they're not um, basically they're sailing around in Taiwan waters. They're flying their fighter jets of, above their airspace almost daily. Yeah, but they've always done that. I mean, what they haven't done is been bellicose and say, "Look, you got to this date or whatever." And we're moving our carriers out there, and the Japanese are finally wising up. And, um, you know, their military is, is uh, expanding rapidly. But all of this is bad. <laughs> I mean, we want to get to a point where we kind of settle this stuff down because a world conflict is going to be something that no human being can even imagine. Well, I agree with that part. I don't want a world conflict. Nor, nor do I think the American taxpayers, if, if Ukraine does not have the munitions needed to win the war, we have to ask, what is our end game here? What is our goal in all of this? You'll have to ask it now. I think you have to ask NATO to uh, step up with more uh, arms and money, humanitarian money. I think you have to do that. Um, but I think that you can buy a little bit more time because battlefield reversals, this new conscript army, they're gonna get, they're gonna get grinded up by these Ukrainians. You wait and see. All right, quick break more with Simple Man Bill O'Reilly as we continue. 800-941-SEAN, our number if you want to be a part of the program. We'll get to your calls coming up. Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern, on the Fox News Channel as we continue. breaks you'll hear the inside story that no one else has the behind the scenes chatter that the mainstream media doesn't even know about this is the sean hannity show i'm more with bill o'reilly simple man all things o'reilly at BillOReilly.com. you see also the military munitions the fighter jets uh, the missiles, you know, Putin is now tripling and quadrupling down on getting more aggressive with Ukraine. And I don't know if they're going to be able to withstand that onslaught. Uh, so far, to the credit of the Ukrainian people and Zelensky, uh, they have fought valiantly. But without the U.S. help, they are dead in the water. But I don't think we're going to withdraw U.S. help. And if Trump is reelected, it'll be very interesting to see if he could get through to Putin. Because remember, for four years, Putin was annoying on the Internet. He was hacking, but he didn't do anything other than that. Probably the negotiated settlement would include the Russians keep the Donbass region. They keep, uh, obviously, Crimea and, and maybe even annex Belarus, which I could see happening as well. Well, the guy in Belarus just committed suicide after meeting with Putin, and I'd probably do the same thing if I had a meet with Putin. Um, yeah, I mean, look, Belarus, uh, nobody in the world is going to stick up for them, so they're probably gone. Um, the Donbass region will be, yes, uh, Russian will keep it, but they'll have an election. They'll always throw that on, and the election, of course, will be phony. Crimea, nobody's ever getting that back. 
That's gone. Uh, the America's role in the world, and this is all the result, by the way, of a, in my view, of a weak president. And we'll find out in two years if America wises up, because I don't think the these hostile regimes would be acting the way they're acting if we had a strong U.S. president. I agree 100% with that. I am, this next year, everything's going to be different. You just keep this tape. This time next year, the world is going to be completely different. But I can't predict how. It's driving me crazy because I'm usually pretty good at it. But it, things are changing fast. And Bill, some people would say the ship sailed. You've been crazy for a long time. Thank you. Uh, I don't want anybody to panic, though, listening to us today. You, look, don't panic. It's not panicking. I'm just watching the destruction of innocent men, women, and children. And I see that the rest of the world is taking a back seat. And the United States, as usual, you know, is paying for a conflict, but they're not, they're involved themselves in another conflict that they have no intention of winning. That's the part that frustrates me. Uh, all things simple man, Bill O'Reilly at BillOReilly.com. Sir, thank you. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. 
This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of us. We're figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it it would have been been juicy. The podcast would have taken a a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. All right, 25 now to the top of the hour. We'll get to your calls here in a minute. We'll update you also on this uh, jury four person in Fulton County, Georgia, on uh, on this press tour, which is beyond bizarre and cringeworthy and likely will result in uh, uh, j- jeopardizing any of the, quote, indictments that she's so looking forward to. Uh, it appears she has a political agenda based on her comments. Uh, this is not going to go over well with any judge, in my view, that is worth their salt. Uh, look, if you're in the market, by the way, for a new firearm, you're going to love my friends at Henry Repeating Arms. Uh, and if you're looking for something very light and easy that you can transport, uh, they got you covered with a U.S. survival rifle. Now, you can take it apart, put it back together in mere seconds when you need to. The parts fit right into its stock. It's easy to stow in your car, your truck. It's very compact, so you can carry it everywhere. Only three and a half pounds, 16 inches when disassembled. And it comes in black and three types of camo. It's very affordable. You can pick one up between 215 and 400 bucks, and it's, it is a great firearm. You're going to love it. Uh, and like every Henry, it's made in the USA, and it's backed by their lifetime satisfaction guarantee. You can even watch a few videos and check out those reviews. Go to their website, henryusa.com, and then put slash survival. That's henryusa.com slash survival 
when you're there, get your free catalog, your free decals, and a list of dealers where you are. They make over 200 models that you can choose from, something for everybody. HenryUSA.com, get your free catalog, free decals, and a list of dealers where you are. Uh, back to what I think is a pretty unbelievable development as it relates to this super grand jury in Fulton County, and the jury foreperson has been on this never-ending press tour uh, from what we can see, I guess she's been on what, NBC, ABC. She's talked to the New York Times. She's talked to fake news, CNN. She's been, been all over the place. And then when you listen to the jury four person, this is that special grand jury that was set up by the DA in Fulton County, uh, Georgia. Um, it, 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 there's no way I see any judge not throwing this out, whatever their findings were. Uh, this goes against all rules and regulations in terms of jury guidance, uh, grand jury guidance. It's supposed to be private and secure. Uh, why she's decided to go on this tour, I don't know. Her name is Emily Coors, uh, and here's her saying that she'd be very sad if the district attorney decides against bringing any charges. Listen. After everything that you've seen, what would your reaction be if the DA decides against bringing any charges after what you've seen? I will be sad if nothing happens. Like that's, that's about my only request there is, is for something to happen. I don't necessarily know what it is. I'm not the legal expert. I'm not the judge. I'm not the lawyers, but I, I will be frustrated if nothing happens. This was too much, too much information, too much of my time, too much of everyone's time, too much of their time, too much argument in, in court about getting people to appear before us. There was just too much for this to just be, oh, okay, we're good, bye. And if it was just a perjury charge or perjury charges, would that be acceptable to you? That's fine. I will be happy as long as something happens. <laughs> I, I, it, it is bizarre. Her behavior is, how do you say this in a nice way? It is, it is cringeworthy. No, no, no. See, there's only one rule. When you have nothing nice to say, you say nothing. So we can't talk about it for too long because it's a talk show. And we would be very quiet. Okay. Linda doesn't want to go to any sensitivity training. Okay? No. Okay. Then she goes out there and says how oh, she's like giddy with excitement at the idea of swearing in President Trump as a witness. Did you personally want to hear from the former president? I wanted to hear from the former president, but honestly, I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly swear? And me getting to swear him in? I just, I kind of just thought that would be an awesome moment. Now, grand jurors are supposed to be fair and balanced and objective and, you know, not not bring into that grand jury room, especially the four person who has great influence over the entire grand jury, uh, any prejudice of any kind. Uh, you decide if you think she has a bias. Here's a montage of Emily Coors. Is it would you say when it comes to there are indi- there are indictments recommended, of course, is it yes. more than 12 people? Is it more than 20 people? I think if you look at the page numbers of the report, there's about six pages in the middle that got cut out. Allow for spacing. It's not a short list. Not a short list. <laughs> More, I mean, it's not, I assume, of course, yeah. it's right. not 75 people. Would you characterize it as 20-ish people? I can't say I counted. 
Okay. More than a dozen, though, I think I'd heard you say in another interview. I believe so. That's probably a good assumption. I really don't want to share something that the judge made a conscious decision not to share. I, I will tell you that it was a process where we heard his name a lot. Uh, we definitely heard a lot about former President Trump, and we definitely discussed him a lot in the room. And I will say that uh, when this list comes out, you wouldn't... There are no major plot twists waiting for you. But in your view, people will not be surprised when they see the list of names to come out who you recommended to face indictment. Especially if they've been following the investigation. So you have somebody that is the foreperson of a grand jury that sounds like a giggling, excited, happy uh, grand juror that can't wait for indictments. Now, does that now taint the jury pool? The answer is clearly, obviously, yes. And a judge, any judge, there needs to be a motion to quash this and, and stop this and end this right here and right now, just based on the law. Uh, anyway, let's get to our busy phones. Say it, Let's say hi to Mitch is in Denver. Mitch, you're on the Sean Hannity Show. Glad you called. Hey, glad to be talking with you. Love the show, man. Hey, I just had a question about that uh, East Palestine derailing. Um, there was three other or two other trains derail in Ohio that same week. Uh, where's the money from that trillion-dollar infrastructure bill going? I mean, you know, I, I feel like no one's really talked about this, but this is something that could have been avoided. I mean, you know, we have infrastructure issues. I mean, let's face it, stuff does wear out over time. Ohio's, you know, had railroads quite some time. So, uh, you know, why why wasn't this addressed before this became a problem? Look, I think you're, I think you're raising a, a terrific point, a very intelligent point, an obvious point. And, you know, and the fact that they've shown so little concern and, you know, Mayor Pete Buttigieg was out there, you know, yesterday making his comments, which which should shock the conscience uh, as he was out there saying, well, East Palestine has gotten plenty of attention. There are over a thousand cases a year. Why of, of trains derailing? Why aren't you doing anything about it? That's the point. And him saying, well, I was mayor of my hometown for eight years. We, we dealt with a lot of disasters. We went back and looked. He didn't deal with any kind of disaster that in any way mirrors what happened in East Palestine. The NTSB needs to be able to do its work independently. But when I go, the focus is going to be on action. Look, I was mayor of my hometown for eight years. We dealt with a lot of disasters, natural and human. And then, of course, it raises the question, you know, why didn't they declare a national emergency uh, for the area immediately? Now, finally, the help is coming. Gold is going to, you know, make a, a a trip, but it's a day late and a dollar short, and it's only done for PR purposes. The very thing he's claiming Trump is doing. Um, I don't know why they're allowing this to happen, but I'll tell you, if they're having all these train derailments, there needs to be an investigation. Somebody's going to get killed. Uh, we have dead fish and we have dead animals and we have sick people in East Palestine and surrounding areas. Uh, that ought to be an urgent enough matter that would warrant the type of assessment and, and follow-up in terms of cleanup that you would expect from the United States, but they've shown no inclination at all to do that.
Anyway, good call, Mitch. Appreciate it. All right, quick break. We'll come right back. 800-941-SEAN. Our number right back to the phones as we continue. Mike in Texas. Mike, how are you? Glad you called, sir. Sean, how's it going? I'm good. How are you? Huge fan. If I'm not watching you live, I'm watching you on Fox Nation. Thank you. So, wanted to just share with you, I am the owner of one of Houston's premier farmer markets named the Brazewood Farmers Market in one of Houston's best-known communities of Meyerland, Westbury, Bel Air. Very well-known market, considered one of the best of the best with the Houston Chronicle newspaper. Yeah, my, my niece lives in, in in around that area. Uh, if she hasn't been there, I'll tell her about it. I, by the way, I love farmers markets. I think they're awesome. Uh, how's business going? You know what? With the past administration, business was fantastic, booming. Everyone was a winner. Prices were controlled. Prices were affordable. Everyone was coming out with the kids having a great time. You know, I started the market after uh, Hurricane Harvey. I came with an idea and I said, how do we get the community together while providing a platform for small businesses to make a living? You know, I'm very proud to say that over 100 families can say that they make a real living on our market location and ours. And to be honest, another uh, thing that I've done is sign off on a couple of people's mortgages as a uh, secondary uh, signing just to help them out as well. Um, you know, we've got great support from the vendors and from the community. It works both ways. And I wear two hats. One is to provide the community with a reputable market and also to provide the vendors, again, like I said, with a platform to make a living. And, uh, you know, farmer markets have exponentially grown throughout the years. And on any typical Saturday, we could have thousands of shoppers out there. Uh, we've gone all the way from empowering refugee farms to develop sustainable farming. We've offered central shopping and a gathering place for the community. And, of course, the small farmers, we've supported them into in, making a living. We have a little bit of an issue. Farmers have to drive it about anywhere from 70 to 100 miles sometimes to get to our market. What kind of refugees are you talking about? From uh, Congo that have been saved. We put, and with a partnership with a farm by the name of Planted Forward, they provide the farms and land for them to be able to grow their products and bring it to markets across Houston to make a living and sell their products. So the bottom line is, I'm just guessing like the rest of the Biden economy, you're now suffering uh, in large part, you know, it, Adam Schiff rolls downhill, and when farmers can't afford the fertilizer because it's three times the usual cost, and seed is double to triple the cost, and spare parts for their equipment are hard to find, and when you do find it, you're paying a premium for that as well. Uh, the farmers I know of are either not making it or struggling to just you know keep their head above water. Everybody seems to be gulping. And and nobody is really profiting the way they should. Is that about right? Absolutely correct. Anywhere from pasture-raised eggs, poultry, grass-fed and Wagyu beef, and all the way down to Gulf, uh, from the Gulf of uh, Mexico seafood as well. We're having struggles being able to sell products at a price point that is accepted by the community. And it's well, but, but, I mean, the, the farmers have no choice. You have no choice. Unless you want to just start selling things at a loss, 
I mean, if, if farmers have to pay triple the amount of money for fertilizer, double to triple the money for seeds, uh, and then pay, you know, an astronomical fee over and above what they're used to paying, um, I think by every measure that, you know, it becomes impossible. And, and then it becomes impossible for consumers, two-thirds of Americans living paycheck to paycheck, uh, to be able to afford the produce that they were once able to afford with ease. Absolutely right. And, of course, uh, we're seeing inflation rates at a level that's been at its highest point in decades. You know, what is farmland doing going to do with the uh, rates from the banks as well? It gets to a point where enough is enough. We need changes. No, I, I don't disagree. I can really sympathize with the position you're in. And many farmers are in. And um, I don't know what to tell you. I don't have a good answer for you. There's nothing that I can do or say that's going to lower the price of, you know, seed and fertilizer and heavy equipment and and spare parts. There's nothing that I can really do. Um, I agree that we need a change in 2024. It, it will help, but that'll even to fix this mess we're in. You know, Lawrence Summers said it yesterday. Despite the Federal Reserve's best efforts, inflation remains high. That puts the U.S. economy on a, quote, collision or crash course. Uh, he served in both the Clinton and Obama administrations. He said the Fed's been trying to put the brakes on. It doesn't look like the brakes are getting much traction. And he said when the brakes don't get traction, two things happen. You can keep moving too fast. That's the inflation pressure. Or you can be setting yourself up for a collision or a crash down the road. Both of those things, I think, are the real risks in this environment. I, I wish I didn't agree with Lawrence Summers. He's been right on everything, including Biden inflation, and he's been way ahead of the curve. So I think, you know, as many economists have predicted, this year is going to be the worst so far. And it's not it's going to get worse before it gets better. So I, I don't have an answer for people. Yep. You know, it's uh, it's heartbreaking. My my best advice for people is is, you know, just find ways that you make enough money to make ends meet. Right now, it's about survival. It's not about the profit. Anyway, appreciate the call. Eight hundred nine four one. Sean, our number, if you want to be a part of the program. I don't know if you know this, but the best shooters in the world do a majority of their training doing dry fire practice at home. Now, the firearm training system called Mantis X, it's a no-ammo, all-electronic way to practice and improve your shooting accuracy. You simply attach it to your own firearm, and you can use it at home, on the range, and it works. It's like having your own personal uh, firearms instructor next to you. You get real-time feedback on your technique. It'll guide you through drills and courses. 94% of shooters can improve within 20 minutes of using Mantis X. It's used by the Marine Corps, the Army, Special Forces. In other words, military-grade technology, all at an affordable price, and it'll improve your shooting dramatically. And here's the best part. You're going to have fun doing it. Military-grade technology, affordable price, and it's fun. And you just have to get yours at MantisX.com. That's their website, M-A-N-T-I-S-X.com. You're going to love this system. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, 
and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. More than a movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week I'm gonna talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From the Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.